Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. The seventh chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew. And we'll begin reading with verse 21. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. This is our third lesson on how faith works. How faith works. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will. Underline, doeth the will. Doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Doeth the will. He that doeth the will. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. They work iniquity. Work. Do the will. Don't work iniquity. Therefore. That's what the therefore is there for. Amen. That's what it's there for. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. What sayings, Lord? Chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. These things, Sermon on the Mount. The underlying principles upon which he would build his kingdom and government. The foundation principles upon which Jesus was to base the government of heaven and the earth. Therefore, whosoever heareth these things of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him, him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, he that doeth the will, not just hears it, but does it, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand, and the same rain descended, and the same floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. <clears throat> it's the will of our Father God that we all live a life of victory. Calvary does not stand for defeat. Calvary stands for victory. Victory over death. Victory over sickness. Victory over poverty even though some would not, not like to acknowledge that truth, but it's true, we've been deli delivered and redeemed from poverty, sickness, and death. That was a curse of the law, all three of them. And we've been delivered from the curse of the law. Christ being made the curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree, 
that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Amen? And if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to that promise. And we are Christ's and heirs according to the promise. Calvary stands for victory. Every Christian should be a victorious Christian. One walking in the victory of Calvary. Amen. Well, you know as well as I do that you can walk around the earth today and find out that there's not a whole lot that have entered into the realm of victory in their Christian walk. And you say, why? Well, here's a key phrase here. He that doeth the will of my Father. I found out something about this faith life. It only works in the will of God. It works best when you're in the perfect will of God. And I always tell people, are you doing what God wants you to do? Well, I don't know. I'm just doing it. Well, are you doing what God wants you to do? Well, I just thought I'd just start holding meetings here, you know, and have evangelistic services just to set up a, you know, evangelistic association of myself. Well, did God tell you to do it? Well, if he did, I don't know. Why are you doing it? Well, I mean, everybody's supposed to preach the word. Yeah, but not everybody's supposed to be an evangelistic association. And not everybody's supposed to be doing the things that some people are trying to do. Faith doesn't work there. You mark that person and they're in for destruction. That's a foolish man building with no foundation. You've got to have a foundation. Anybody that's in the construction business knows that if you're going to build a house, it's good to have a good foundation. Amen? Well, what is that foundation? It's doing the will of the Father in your life. What's the will of the Father? Well, there's a general will of the Father in, in our lives, in all of our lives. Lay your hands upon the sick so they can recover. Preach the good news of the gospel so people can be saved and delivered from the powers of darkness. Amen? Be instant in season and out of season to preach the word of God. Amen. Stand faithful. Live a good life. Go to church. Pay your tithes. Pray. Intercede for the body of Christ. Pray for the government. That's all general. It's the general revealed will of God for every individual in the body of Christ. And he wants all of us to be able to do those things and to be doing those things. We should be found faithful doing those things when he comes. He said to be that way. Amen. Did he say that? Okay. Well, when we start getting into the specific will of God for our lives, it's important that we follow that general revealed will, but it's also important that we, when we step out into these areas of ministry, know that God has spoken to us and anointed us to stand in that office of ministry or to go there and do whatever, you know, you're doing or to go to that church that you're at and to, to do something to function in that church. I wouldn't want to do anything had I not known that the anointing of God was upon me. I wouldn't want to stand in this office had I not known that the anointing of God was upon me. I wouldn't do it. I guarantee you right now today I'd pack my bags and go home. I'd do that. If I did not know that the anointing of God was on me and the call of God was on me to do it. No, if we're going to live a life of faith, we're going to have to base that life of faith on a solid foundation. That's doing the will of God for me. What's God called me to do? What has he called me to do? Some people think he's called the pastor to do with, or to do what every prophet of God did in, in the whole Bible. Starting from Abraham right on down through to John the Baptist. Isn't it something and amazing that Moses had a hard time doing just what he did? Let alone having to do what Abraham did, Isaac did, Jacob did, Daniel did, Jeremiah did. 
Ezekiel did, Isaiah did, John the Baptist did, Jesus did. But yet, everybody thinks that everybody's just going to stand. One person's just going to do it all. One person's not going to do it all. And that's why in a body such as this, God has a specific will for all of us right here. A specific will. It might be just doing something very small. But that's God's will right now in your life. And if you'll be faithful to do whatever that will is, I guarantee you that you will have a life of faith that will be unparalleled in anything in, in, in this world's history right now. I believe that it'll be so great, it'll be so powerful, because you are flowing with the divine will of God in your particular life. He that doeth the will of my Father, that's a wise man. He's a wise man that's going to build his house upon a solid foundation. The rock. Jesus being the chief cornerstone. Now he that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. And that was one of the sayings he was talking about. There's a lot more. I believe that if we would take the time to build and to lay the foundation that he's talking about in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We can have a structure so well built that, bless God, all the forces of darkness and all the evil spirits and all the things that the world would have to come against us and destroy us with all the storms of life could not stand against the things of God in our life. Could not defeat us, could not destroy us, but we have a perfect life of victory. Well, now, the storm of life is going to come to every one of us. It's going to come to all of us. But he said, when the storms of life come, you can either be wise or you can be foolish. You can be a wise man or you can be a foolish man. The wise man will do the sayings of Jesus, but the foolish man won't. Now notice, the wise man has wisdom. Put two and two together, it's evident that a wise man has wisdom, right? The Bible says in Proverbs 4, 7, that wisdom is a principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she shall promote thee. That's wisdom. We need wisdom to operate in the will of God concerning us. It takes the wisdom of God to carry out what God's intention is for you. Now, when I first started in, well, when I first got saved, I did not know, like many of us that just get saved, I did not know what the perfect will of God was for me. I didn't know that. I didn't know what God wanted me to do. I was perfectly content in going to church, reading my Bible, praying for the sick. I found out that I did more praying for the sick than a lot of the pastors in the area did. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I thought that every Christian was like me. I thought that everyone that was born again, see, was like I was. Thus, God, I had a bottle on me of oil, and everywhere I went, I just lay hands on the sick, anoint them with oil, pray the prayer of faith, get them filled with the Holy Ghost, and praying in other tongues, taking tracks everywhere I went, witnessing to everybody I saw. Everybody thought I was nuts, but that was okay. I was happy in Jesus. Glory be to God. That is the general revealed will of God concerning us. And if you're not faithful to do that, you're never going to find the specific will of God for you concerning you. People were griping and complaining about where they worked, about their job. You're never going to get anywhere with God like that. I worked down in one of the worst places you can work, down in the mill. And I mean to tell you, it was, you know, if you work down there, you know what it's like down there. And everybody complained and everybody griped and everybody argued. And it was, it was just like another world. You go down there, it was like a world of darkness. It was like, you know, Satan's hole down there. You had all the furnaces going, and it was just like this one big flame of fire down there. Someone said, I never forget, someone said to me the first time I walked down the mill, uh, I walked down there one time just to see what it was like, you know, put in an application to, to go over there, and I wanted to, wanted to work down the mill. It was in my dad's department. He worked down there for many years. 
He says, come over here, son. I want to show you where I work. I says, okay. Well, first of all, when you walk down the mill, you've got to hold your ears. It's so loud down there. Just about to blow your eardrums out because it's so loud when you walk down there. The pipe was just banging all over the place. Well, he says, come on up here on this furnace with me and I'll show you where I work. He was the heater of the furnace. And when you walk down where he worked, you walked up these steps and then you walked down these steps and you got right into the middle of the furnace. There was a furnace on one side, furnace on the other side, and you was in the middle and the doors was open and the flames were shooting out. And I walked down there. I stood there for five minutes and I thought my clothes was going to burn up. Can you imagine having to wear thermal underwear and when it's 90 degrees outside just so that you can stay cool? And he worked down there. I said, I can't believe it. I can't believe that you stand here and work. And one individual, one fellow had to sit there in the middle of those furnaces for eight hours a day and pull out the billets, the hot billets as they came out. The door would open up and the flames would shoot out and he's real close to him and that billet would just go about two feet in front of him and it was about 2,000 degrees, 2,400 degrees. And there he was in the middle of all that. Can you imagine that? And everybody griped and everybody complained. It was too hot or it was too cold. And when the cold season came, then, it was, then everybody was standing by the furnace to keep warm. Then when the hot season came, everybody was just soaked because it was just too hot. It was too hot and it was too cold. Just murmuring, just complaining. Who wants to work down here? Who wants to do this? Ah, this mill. Who wants to work down this mill? But bless God, every time payday came and, and you had food on your table, everybody said, well, thank God for that old dumb mill. Amen. Well, now listen to me. You know what they're saying up there where I used to work now? Would to God this place was opened up again. Murmuring and complaining. Who in the world wants to work in a place like this? And they used to just brag about how many hours they didn't work. You know, I went to work for eight hours last night and only worked one. Got paid $10 an hour. That's what they used to brag about. See? But I didn't catch on. See, I was, I was opposite. I'd go down there and I'd work probably 10 hours in an eight-hour shift. And I always wondered why I had all that work to do. I found out that the other two guys on the other two shifts wasn't doing their work. They left it all for me. They'd go back in the shanty and lay down and go to sleep. Then, of course, I'd come out there and do all the work. And if I wanted to, I could complain. Matter of fact, before I knew the Lord, I did complain a whole lot. I said to the boss, I says, why in the world make me do all this work? I says, and you're getting on my case. I said, you got all these other guys over here that are not doing anything. But yet here I am, I do all the work. He says, well, somebody has to do it. Well, I mean, you know, thank God I got saved, right? Praise God, he promoted me to the crane. Instead of doing all the work down there, I just sat and watched everybody else do the work. Glory be to God. <laughs> Hallelujah to Jesus. But that's just how it was. Everybody complaining, everybody griping. See? But I wasn't like that. I knew some things when I first got saved. I knew that the Bible, what the Bible teaches us concerning our employer. That you've got to give them a full day's work and you've got to thank God. I used to thank God for the job that I had. Even though your flesh might not like it, I used to thank God for the job that I had to put food on that table for my kids and, and so on and so forth, right? And to pay the bills and etc. You only find out when you leave a place like that and you have to work for minimum wage how much you enjoyed that. You know, they worked two hours out of the day and got paid $10 an hour for eight hour a day only working two hours. And I went down there and worked for minimum wage and worked 10 hours a day and didn't get anything. See? Now, as I said, now they're, they're wishing that it was open up again so they can go back there and go to work. Now they got to work for nothing. You see, whereas before they were not working, but getting along. 
So that's how they were, complaining and griping. And that's how the body of Christ sometimes is. Everybody's griping. Everybody's complaining. I want to be an evangelist. I want to be this. I want to be a pastor. I want to do that. I'm, well, bless God, just start doing what the Bible tells you to do right now. Get into the will of God. You begin to preach the gospel to your neighbor. You begin to preach the gospel to your friends. Those that are sick, go up there and anoint them with oil. Lay your hands upon them in Jesus' name. Pray in other tongues. Pray in the Spirit all the time because the Word of God tells you to do it. Paul said, I pray in tongues more than you all. Do all these things. These are the... General revealed will of God for you and for me. The Bible says in 5, 6, and 7, don't be careful for all these things that are coming your way. Jesus said that my Father in heaven will provide your every need. Right? And in the 7th chapter, he said, don't judge one another because if you judge, you'll be judged. And when you pray, do it in private. When you fast, do it in private. When you give alms, do it in private. We should do all those things that he's saying there right now as the general revealed will of God in our lives. And as we begin to do that, and walk in the light of it, then the specific will of God is just going to come and tap you up on the shoulder. And it's going to be one step at a time. It'll blend in with the general will of God. So much that you might not even know that you're being led by the Spirit of God. The general revealed will of God, as you're doing it, will lead you into the specific will of God without sometimes you even knowing it. Because what we did was that very thing. I took one step at a time. I made sure that I stayed on fire for God. I made sure that I witnessed to everybody I saw. I made sure I went up to the hospitals and laid hands upon the sick every opportunity that I did have. I never complained when somebody called me on the phone, whether it was late at night, early in the morning, whatever it was, to help counsel them and speak to them the Word of God. Because listen to me, when you got the Word of God inside your heart, you don't have to be called a pastor, you don't have to be called an evangelist, people will know that you stand for God and the power that's in His Word, and they'll call you to get victory, because they know where they can go to. Amen? And that's what they were doing. And before, I little did I know, I was acting, doing more than the, most of the pastors was in the area, and didn't even know it, you know. Then I just began to just to have a little Bible study right there in, the old, in our house, down in the basement, just teach the Word of God, and didn't know it, that... God was leading me into a ministry. I didn't know that. But I was following and flowing with the will of God concerning me. I just did what anybody, any other Christian was supposed to do. I was faithful to go to church. I went to church three times a week if it was open three times a week. Four times a week if it was open four times a week. No matter what it was, if something had to be done or if, if a donation was needed, I was there to give. And just did everything that the general revealed will of God said in His Word for us to do. And lo and behold, each step, just by doing it, each step was a step of faith that I did not know, but God was directing and leading and guiding. When he tapped me on the shoulder and said, now it's time for you to go to school. Our faith worked. I can't explain how it worked. It worked so well when we was at school because we were in the, general, or we were in the specific will of God. See, that's the key to faith. That's how faith works. Faith works when you know you're doing the will of God. If you ask the average person, they'll say, I don't know what God wants me to do. And that's why their faith doesn't work. They feel inferior. They feel guilty. They feel like as though they're not serving God like they should. But listen to me. You may never be asked to do anything more from the Father just to sit right where you're at and to support a church. You may never be asked to do anything more but to wash the windows at the church. Are you hearing me? You may never be asked to do anything more than that. But let me say this to you. God does not reward by your ministry. Or you're, call, you're calling to a ministry. He rewards your faithfulness to what he wants you to do. If he wants you to wash those windows and you're faithful to do it every day and see to it that they never get dirty, great is your reward in heaven. Great. You have the reward of anybody. If he's called you to be a prophet, 
and you're not standing in that office as you should, then you'll be held accountable for it. You don't get rewarded just because you're called to be a prophet. It's, are you faithful to that calling? If he's called you to be a pastor, you'll be rewarded according to your faithfulness to the office of the pastor. You see what I'm saying? And one reward is not greater than the other. It's your faithfulness to what God told you to do. And when I know that I'm out there shining up them windows, bless God, I knew that I was at school, I was there because God told me to go to school, and I was shining up that place. It was like a stop and go. See, I used to work at that place like a stop and go. And I worked the night shift. I thought I got delivered from the night shift when I left the mill. I always said this, that the nights were sleeping. You know, or praying. But working? You know, think about that. And so there I was. And I asked what needs to be done. You know, people will take advantage of you in the world. Especially if you're a good worker. They'll take advantage of you to the end. They'll take advantage of you. I mean, glory be to God. Everything that they could think of and things that they couldn't think of, they'll have you do. So you know what I did? I took, I took advantage of them. Yeah, that's what I did. I did everything they asked me to do. And then I found other things to do that they didn't know that could be done. And I did them. And they couldn't believe it. They thought I was a nut. But you know, I slipped this in on this fellow. This fellow was a, I won't mention the denomination he was from. But he was not serving God as he should have. People want to preach the gospel, right? Well, here's a good way to preach the gospel. After I did all that, see, I never witnessed to this guy before. But after I did all that and worked as hard as I worked and then did even more. Than, now, see, the other guys on the night shift didn't even do what they were supposed to do, let alone do extra. But I did all that I was supposed to do and did extra and made sure to it that, that everything was, you know, in order to the best of my ability that God gave me. And finally, before I got ready to leave that place, <clears throat> he couldn't believe it. So I finally sat down and talked to the fellow. I said, I'm not working for you. I'm working for Jesus. Hallelujah. God's my employer. I didn't do this for you. I did it for the Lord. The Bible says work hardly as unto the Lord. Doesn't it say that? So if you went to work and punched in a time clock and Jesus stood there and said, you're my worker today, how well would you work? I said, how well would you work? Bless God, I worked well. I knew that. It paid off. It pays off. It pays to serve God and to do the will of God. And bless God, I remember one night, just to show you. And I didn't know, you know, I didn't know that you can tell. This is in a, in a place, like I said, one of these stop and goes, a quick trip down there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And these people come in and, and, you know, they're middle of the night and wanting to get the things they want to get. And uh, out having a good time and coming in late at night, and, you know, can't see straight when they walk in the door. In the door. And this uh, group of boys walked in, two or three boys, they walked into the store one night and, and as they're walking through the store and walking over to get a sandwich and, you know, put into the microwave oven to eat. And they was just cussing up a storm. Now, I'm just working back there and doing the things that I have to do. And uh, the guy's about from here to the window away from me. I'm just standing over there just doing the things, minding my own business. And they're up there cussing up a storm. And the kid turns back and he looks at me. He said, are you studying to be a minister? I said, yeah, why? He goes, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, I wasn't standing in a church. I was in a store. How do you know that? You tell me that even someone that's, whose eyes are a little bit crossed, who's cussing up a storm with his friends, how do you know that? You don't just talk like that out of the clear blue sky. That man was under heavy conviction. And just by walking in that store, 
And as I said, just, just standing there, just doing what God tells you to do, you'll radiate the glory and the power of God. And he couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't stand the word. He didn't know what to do. Oh, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Forgive me for what I said. I said, didn't you know God heard you? I'm not God. Didn't you know God heard you? You can't run away from him. He's everywhere you go. See? You say, well, why? Because when you're in the perfect will of God, when you do what God wants you to do, He may not call you to be a Kenneth Hagin. He may not call you to be an Oral Roberts and to start a school. He may not call you to be a pastor or an evangelist. I mean, He may just call you, as I said, just to be a mother and a wife and just to do the dishes and to clean the house. But bless God, if you do that with all the ability that you have and you serve God with all your heart, you've got a reward of the prophet and the evangelist and the pastor and the teacher. And if you witness to everybody, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, your faith will always work for you when you lay your hands on your kids. They'll always be healed, bless God. All the time. They'll always be delivered. And the power of God will so radiate in your life. I don't care who it is inside that household of yours that needs to be saved. The glory and the power of God will work for you. It's when we're not doing the will of God is when it's, it's hard using our faith. Well, I didn't intend to get into all this, but bless God, it's fun. Hallelujah. Well, now let's see something here. Wisdom is involved. It, there's wisdom involved in using your faith and acting out the will of God. Now... Let's turn over to the book of James. I'm going to go over some of this that we touched before. Uh, the first and second chapter of the book of James. Now, the Bible says if you're going to find godly wisdom, you're going to have to dig for it. You're going to have to search for it as for hid treasures. For the Lord layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous... And out of his mouth comes wisdom and knowledge and understanding. The wisdom of God concerning your life is found in the Word of God. What God wants you to do is found in his Word. Everything he has for you concerning the general and specific will is found in his Word. And that's how I found out how, what God wanted me to do in my life. By staying in the Word. By digging deep into the Word. That's Proverbs, the second chapter, verses 1 through 7. If you want godly wisdom, you're going to have to dig for it. You're going to have to search for it. You're going to have to find it out. Well, you're in James. Hold your place there real quick. Spirit of God, quicken this to me. You need to lay a foundation first. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, uh, the third chapter. Hold your place there in James. Okay, now here, Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, is talking about laying a foundation. Jesus was talking about laying a foundation. He was talking about that if you're going to step out against the storms of life, and the storms of life come to us all, and I don't care who you are, the storms of life is coming to everybody. Every, whether you're born again, whether you're saved, whether you're not saved, the storms of life come to every one of us. The unsaved, they go to the world to find an answer. Well, bless God, I have had enough with the body of Jesus Christ having to go to the world for an answer. Let's go to God for the answer. Let's go to the blood of Jesus for our answer. Let's lay a foundation on His his own life and let's find our answers, you see, in His Word. Over here in the third chapter and verse 10. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder. A wise one. See, Jesus said He is a wise man that built this house upon a rock. Now, Paul was talking about I am... We're laborers together with Christ. I'm the one that's going out and, and planting the seeds. And Apollos was the one that was watering or teaching. See, in, in the ministry, we have involved different ministries. And we've got to be able to understand how to use each ministry effectively. 
Paul was planting a seed, yeah, and laying a foundation, but there were others that were the apostles. Uh, other ones were teachers and, and pastors and those that were set in these offices so that the house can be built in, you know, perfection. Now, you recall that uh, the Bible says that we are a habitation of God in the Spirit and Jesus is the chief cornerstone, but it's also built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, Paul here was saying, I am a wise master builder, and everyone that is wise will build that house on a solid foundation. He goes on saying, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. In other words, I laid that foundation, but Apollos, who was the teacher, was teaching you how to build on that foundation. There's a lot of people that had a good, solid foundation laid, which is Jesus Christ of Nazareth and his blood, but they did not learn how to build on that foundation, and consequently, they had a shabby house. Not only is the foundation that important, but then how we build upon that foundation is very important to the use of our faith. Okay. Now, the teaching ministry is very important. There's a lot of people whose houses stop at the foundation. They've been born again, blood washed, but they've not been filled with the Spirit, not speaking with other tongues, not been baptized in water since they were. They thought that they got baptized younger was all right, but that's not enough. And they thought that all these other things, you see were done away with. They thought that the laying on of hands was done away with. They thought faith in God and believing God for miracles was done away with because miracles are gone. And this is the foundation that he's talking about, building upon this foundation all these principles in your life. If we don't do that properly and don't have the right kind of teaching, then you're going to have a shabby house. That house is going to be made of wood, hay, and stubble, which he goes on to say here. Look at the next part. But let every man take heed... How he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work, and what of what sort it is. Now, the wise man builds upon his house silver, gold, and precious stones. Can you imagine having a foundation laid and building the material of your house is gold and silver and precious stone? That's an invincible house. But on the other hand, if we got a house that's built of wood, hay, and stubble, when the fiery tests and trials come your way, the fire will burn up the wood, the hay, and the stubble. Amen? It'll be gone. It'll be burnt. There'll be nothing left. But if you build upon your house gold, silver, and precious stone, then that house will be able to stand against all the fire trials and tests that come your way, no matter what they might be, and stand victorious. Jesus said he'll be unshakable, unmovable. And in Luke, he said, you cannot be shaken. The house will not fall. The house will stand every test and every trial. Okay, now, let's go back to James. He said now, Jesus did that is, be doers of the word, and hearers of the word, and doers of the word, or doers of my sayings. You'll be a wise man that built your house upon a rock. Be a wise master builder, just like Paul was. Take the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. No matter what the case might be. If you want victory over death, if you want victory over sin, if you want victory over... It's not a foundation when you come here to the altar. And I pray the prayer of faith for you. And you get delivered from the spirit of fear. And you go off back into the world where fear mounts up around you again. And you're back out there in the world. 
and that fear comes back back upon you. And you're out there and don't know what to do with it. It's because you don't have a foundation under you. You got delivered because of my faith. You got delivered because of the body's faith. You got delivered because of the power of God that was in this place in mass. Or you got healed in your body because we were all in faith and the power of God was strong and you got an instant healing. Or you got healed by the gifts of the Spirit working in operation. Okay? But that is not a foundation. That's only the mercy and the love of God that moved and intervened on your behalf to get you delivered, to get you healed, to get you set free from that spirit of fear, even though your faith wasn't there at that time. And I praise God that you got delivered. I praise God that you got healed. I rejoice, blessed be God. But listen to me. That is not a solid foundation. The foundation that he's talking about is hearing and doing my word. It's when you get the word of God in you that says, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And I come against the spirit of fear and I speak to you now in Jesus' name. And you'll never again come at my household. You'll never again destroy my house. You'll never again destroy my life. Bless God. That spirit of fear will run from you as in terror and never come back again. When you lay that foundation and you build upon that foundation gold, silver, and precious stones, and 2 Timothy 2, verses 19 through 22, tells you exactly what he's talking about there. I'm not going to take time to go into it. You write that down and look it up. Okay, now he said, be doers of the word here in James 1, 22, and not hearers only. That's exactly what Jesus was talking about. Faith is nothing more but hearing the word and doing the word. Hearing the word and doing the word. These are the components of faith. Hearing and doing. Hear it and do it. Hear it and do it. You're a wise master builder. If you hear it and do it not, you are a foolish man. Hear it and do it. Those are the components of faith. Now, look at the second chapter of James. Look at verse 26. Whereas the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Whereas the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works or corresponding actions is dead. What are the actions of faith? The doing. That's the doing part. The hearing part and the doing part. Now we're going to explain that in a minute. But before I do, I want to say this to you. People have heard the message of faith. They have heard great teachers that we have of our day. And they are great men of God that understand faith and walk by faith. But most of the things that you hear are the testimonies of these people's faith. The things that they got, that how they got healed, how they got delivered, how God met their needs. And I thank God for that. We need to hear that and we need to know that, but that does not produce faith, that inspires faith. Every time I hear someone getting delivered, my faith is inspired. Bless God, I just want to go out there and tame the world. But then I realize that I can't go on emotion. I can't go out there on someone else's testimony. I've got to get into the Word and lay a foundation if I want to get the same results that that brother got back there. I've got to have the same Word inside my heart to get the same results that that brother got back there. Okay. So hearing the testimony of others and reading about the testimony of others will not produce faith. It will only inspire faith. It will not lay a solid foundation. It won't do it. It's only when I take the sayings of Jesus, when I take the same word, when I put that word inside my heart, when I receive that word inside my heart, and then my actions correspond not to my brother's testimony, but when my actions correspond to my word that's inside my heart, then bless God, I get the same results that he got or she got. Okay, now, faith without works is dead. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We understand that these two components of faith work together to produce and bring results. 
results that are so powerful that all the forces of darkness, that all the storms of life that could come your way will not even cause your house to shake. You will be invincible to the things of the devil that are around you. Now, here he's talking about the body without the spirit being dead. In our last meeting, I brought out the fact that as the body or as the spirit is life-giving force to the body, actions, actions, and whatever that action is, we'll see in a minute, are the life-giving force to faith. The reason why Jesus said hear and do is because as the body lies dead without the spirit, so the faith that you have without action is also dead. Now, did you ever try to get someone who is dead to do the dishes? Now, be honest with me. You never did, did you? Well, did you? If you did, I want to know where you live. <laughs> Stay away from it. Hallelujah. <laughs> but now, hear me. Every time you preach the word to somebody, are you saying that I don't have any faith? No, brother, I'm telling you that you got faith. You have faith, but your faith is dead. You're not using it. There's no life-giving force behind that faith. And just as that body lies there dead, your faith is going to be just as dead. It's not going to get anything for you. It's not going to work for you. It's not going to get you filled with the Spirit if your faith is dead. It's not going to get you healed if your faith is dead. It's got to be active. It's got to be alive. There has to be a life-giving force to faith. And we found out in Galatians, the fifth chapter and verse six, that that faith works by love. Love is the life-giving force. An act of love is the life-giving force of faith. When that spirit comes inside that body, that body will do the dishes a hundred times. When that act of love comes into your faith, bless God, your faith will work for you to get anything you need or anything you want that's promised you in God's holy word. It's only when that act of love causes your faith to work. Otherwise, it's dead. It lies dormant. Now, I want you to see three words with me. Remember over there in 1 Corinthians 13 and 13, where Paul said, Now abideth faith, hope, and charity, and the greatest of these is charity. We have three words to contend with. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Faith works by love. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of your hope. Faith is the substance of the thing you hope for. It's the evidence of what you don't see. You got faith, hope, and love. You got three different words. You got three different meanings. Hope is not faith. Faith is not hope. Hope is not love. Love is not faith. Love is not hope. These are three different words. They are three different meanings. And you're going to find out how, when you understand how they work, you can lay a solid foundation and build a house that will be invincible. Hope is, well, let me give you an example. If, if faith gives substance to the things you hope for. Hope is like the little boy that stands outside the donut shop. And he looks inside the window and he sees that chocolate-covered cream-filled donut. Okay? And his mouth is just watering. And he's looking inside that window. 
says, boy, I wish I could have that. But he doesn't have any money in his pocket. He's just standing there, and I mean, you know, his mouth is getting watered by the moment. Boy, I really hope I could have one of them things. He has hope, but he doesn't have any means whereby to get that donut. He doesn't have any money. He desires to have it. There's so many Christians standing outside of God's donut shop, looking inside the window and saying, Boy, I wish I could get healed. Boy, I wish I could get filled with the Holy Ghost. Boy, I wish God would meet my need. Oh, I wish God would answer my prayer. Oh, I'm hoping someday I'm going to get this thing that I want so bad from the Father God. And that's all they have is a hope. One writer said, if you hope to be healed and all you have is hope, then the undertaker is going to have a job. That's true. All he had was hope. But all of a sudden... We see the manager of the store walking by. See, he was on his lunch break and he, he, he didn't want, he's tired of all them donuts so he went out to McDonald's and ate. And he comes back and he goes over to the shop. He begins to walk in and he sees this little boy out there and his tongue's hanging out by now. And uh, he says to the little boy, uh, what do you want? He says, well, I'd like to have one of them cream stick donuts over there. But I don't have no money. So the manager thinks about it for a moment. He goes, I'll tell you what. You take out the garbage in the back room and I'll give you a dozen of those chocolate-covered cream stick donuts. And boy, this guy, his little boy's eyes get real big. All of a sudden, he has faith. He heard that guy speak some words. And he just stands up, tall, looks the guy in the eye, and he runs home. As fast as he can, says, Hey, Mom, hey, Dad, bless God, I've got me a dozen donuts. When I said, You don't got any money, how are you going to get a dozen donuts? said, The guy told me if I take out the garbage, he'd give me a dozen donuts. Well, where are they at? Well, he told me if I take out the garbage, he'd give me a dozen donuts. Well, where are they at? That's how most Christians are. God told you. If you believed you received it, you'd have it. Right? But you didn't act on your faith. And that little boy can run around the house saying, Glory to God, glory to God, I got a dozen donuts. All he wants, but he doesn't have them. No. Hope was turned into faith, but he did not act yet. Now, if he goes back to the store, like most Christians do, back to the store and says, I'm ready. I'm going to do it. And he goes and washes the windows. The guy looks at him and says, I didn't tell you to wash the windows. I told you to take out the garbage. I didn't tell you to, you know, clean the counter. I told you to take out the garbage. A lot of Christians come back to the Father and they go, I'm ready now, Lord. Bless God, I'll do what you want me to do, Lord. And he says, dip in the Jordan River seven times and you go over to the Ohio and you jump in nine times. Hallelujah, Lord. I did it. No, you didn't. I told you to go to the Jordan and did seven times. Oh. See? Boy, that little boy's mouth is really getting water red by now. He wants them donuts. The man's you know, words that he spoke were motivated by what? By love. 
He had love in his heart. It was an act of love to say that to that boy. He didn't have to do that for that boy, but it was an act of love. And that act of love gave that boy, he turned his hope into faith. Faith is a something, something, so forth. But what the boy had to do was to take out the garbage. And all some of us have to do is cast down imaginations. Oh, I don't understand why my head is hurting so bad. Cast down those imaginations that the devil's bringing your way. I don't know why my pocketbook is so empty. Well, bless God, believe you receive your finances met in Jesus' mighty name. Or, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall lend pour into your bosom. He didn't say, walk around the earth and start saying, dear God, I don't understand it, why I can't make ends meet. He didn't tell you to do that. He didn't, just like he didn't tell that little boy to wash the windows. He told that boy to take out the garbage. Lo and behold, finally, the little boy wakes up and says, well, I'm going to do it. And he goes back and takes out the garbage. And the father says, it's about time. Here's your donuts. That's how God is with us. Listen to me. That's how God is with us. There is a specific way out of every trial and every temptation and to have every need met. There is a way in the Word of God. But you've got to dig, you've got to search, and you've got to have the wisdom of God to find out what that way is and then act upon that way. I remember one time I was working at that old crane of mine and uh, I went there with strep throat so bad I couldn't even swallow. And so I said, now Lord, I know that you are the healer. There's no problem with you as being the healer. I know that the Word of God says what this tribe I am healed. But I need to know what, what to do right now in this situation. I need to know how to act. I need the wisdom of God. What am I to do right now? What do you want me to do? And be led by the Spirit of God. They that are led by the Spirit of God, that are sons of God. He just led me into reading the Word. I opened up Proverbs 4, 20-22. My son attended my words, incline ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart. They are life to those that find them. Health on all their flesh. Now, if I had closed that book and put it away, I wasn't doing what he said to do, was I? I wasn't doing what that scripture said to do. And if I didn't do what the scripture said to do, I'd be like a little boy with no donuts. But bless God, I want to tell you something. I, this is one of the most supernatural things that happened in my life. Everything else, you've got to get by faith and stay in there. Because this was just the beginning. I began in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, and I read it, and I, and I told the Lord, I will not stop reading your word until this goes away. Yeah, I said, if the, that's how I was. I was bold. I still am, but I mean, I was really bold as being a young Christian right then. I said, if that is true, then bless God, I'm going to read your word till this goes away. That's just how I was. And you know what? God's word is true. Six hours I read the Bible without stopping, out loud, and to myself, back and forth, and after six hours, strep throat left my throat. Dissolved, gone, completely. But my commitment was, I'll not stop reading until it's gone. See, that was my commitment. And in many cases, if people would just do what that said in that scripture right there, they would get their healing and it would leave their body. But they won't do it. They're like a little boy running around. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? He told you what to do right there. In Isaiah, the 58th chapter, this is how faith works. He told you to fast and to pray to, for the deliverance of the afflicted. Fast and to pray the proper fast so they can be set free, so God can use you. And also, you won't hide yourself from your own flesh. If you will do it, 
Then shall your light break forth as the morning. Then shall your health spring forth speedily. You'll be healed. You'll be delivered. But many won't do it. They're like a little boy. See? Well, I prayed. God didn't tell you to pray. He told you to fast and pray until your light broke forth as the morning and your health sprang forth speedily. And if you're not willing to do that, you're not going to get your donuts. Well, isn't that right? Is it fair and just for that man to say, I didn't tell you to wash the windows, I told you to take out the garbage. You know, that boy would have been working for probably till he was about 30 years old, and if he never took out the garbage, he'd never get anything. That's how Christians are. They've been working, it seems, as though serving God all their life, but they're coming up empty. Why? Because they're not doing exactly what God told them to do in each situation of their life. It takes the wisdom of God, the application of God's wisdom to your situation in order for your faith to work, and you need to find out what it is. And many times, I'll tell you what, it'll be unconsciously that you cross some of these things. I didn't know that when I was opening up my Bible and reading such and such a scripture that it would mean so much to me at that particular time in my life, but it did. And consequently, it was the way God wanted me to go in my life. That's why it pays to stay in the Word. Okay. Praise God. Let's, let's go back to this scripture here in James. 2.26 For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without work is dead also. James 2.26 I want you to see this. I want to implant it in your heart so deeply that you're so rooted in this thing that you'll be consciously aware of the fact that your faith could lie dormant without an act of love in your life. Now, I left off last time by saying and making this statement, and it's a powerful one. When people first got saved, their actions were a whole lot different than three or four or five years later. They had a motivation in their hearts which was the love of God that was shed abroad, to go out and save the world. They lacked godly wisdom, but yet they were acting. They were acting on what little wisdom they had. They were acting on what little knowledge they had. And consequently, some were getting saved and some weren't, but bless God, there were a lot getting saved. But as the years went on, their actions changed. You could hardly ever get them to witness to somebody. You could hardly ever get them to pass a track on anymore. Sometimes you could hardly get them to take their Bible to church. Actions have changed. Why? Why have their actions changed? Why have they stopped doing the things that they were doing once when they first got saved? Their faith is lying dead. It's dormant. Why is it? Because of the fact they lost the same love that they had for humanity. They lost that love for that brother and that sister that's dying and on their way to hell. They're too concerned about their life now to be concerned about somebody else's life. Oh, that was just for a baby Christian. You watch when you grow up, you're going to cool off and you're going to settle down and you won't witness anybody anymore. You won't lay hands on anybody anymore. You won't pay for anybody anymore. Hogwash. No. It should be the opposite. Bless God. We should be so filled with the power of God and so filled with the love of God and so motivated by His compassion that it's going to be like this. I'm not going to grow older and, and, and you know, just die out. 
I'm going to grow older and have more wisdom, and the more people I lay hands on, they're going to get healed, and the more people I pray for are going to get saved, because the wisdom of God will pour out of me to meet those needs, and to show me how to deal with that human spirit to get them saved and delivered. Not that I'm going to witness less, and act less, and do less. No, it's going to be more. I'm going to grow in it and do more. Now, people are wondering why they're not getting answers to their prayer. Well, if, you, if your love is lost for others, listen to me. This is important. If your love is lost for others, and you're not concerned about the needs of those that are around you, do you know who you're concerned about? You, yourself. You're concerned about your needs. Well, I'd pray for these people, but bless God, I can't even get my own needs met. What am I going to do? That's a poor attitude. But my family's falling apart, and I just can't. That's a poor attitude. You're so concerned about yourself that you are using your faith for yourself only. And faith does not work by selfishness. Faith does not work by selfishness. Faith which worketh by love. I believe it's time to start to have a giveaway. I mean a giveaway, bless God, that we just give to those around us. I'm not talking about only money. I'm talking about you give of yourself to your neighbor. You give of yourself to that person that's in need. You give yourself to those people on your street that don't know Jesus. You get a track and put inside their mailbox, bless God. Get on fire for Jesus. He's coming soon. He says, will I find you faithful when I come? Faithful to do what? Just to believe in my needs? Bless God, I, I pray to God that we get beyond believing God for our needs. Because our needs are met according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And you want to know when you're going to get beyond believing God for your needs? Is when you start believing God for the needs of others. Because what you give will be given unto you. And good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, men, and given to your bosom. That's how it works. Faith works by love. Faith does not work by selfishness. Now, if faith then is dormant, it lies dead without love, without an act of love, then you stop and think about how ineffective that faith can be when the storms of life come to your household and Satan comes to destroy your health and destroy your finances and destroy all the things that you stood for. If that faith is ineffective, you'll be a foolish man and great will be the fall of your house. Now think about what he's saying here. And as you think about what he's saying, start to realize how you can get back into that place with God that you once were. You can get to a place with the Father God when you first got saved. You were not supposed to lose that first love. You were not supposed to lose the love that you had for humanity. I can't tell you how that love, I don't know how it affected you, but the love that came inside my heart for people, I just can't explain it to you in, in words, not words of this language. I just cried out for people's souls for salvation for them to get delivered and saved. What motivated me to go to their door? My flesh didn't want to do it, but something was motivating me. It was the love of God. It was the love in me for them that I had inside me that I knew I could give them something. I could give them something that would give them eternal life. I could give them the Word of God that would lead them to eternal life. And, and, and someone could call you and say, Oh, dear brother, you don't know how bad this thing is. And, and you don't have to stand there and say, Well, I can't help you, man. 
You can talk on a phone boldly and say, Bless God, I know somebody that can help you. I know the Word of God works. And I know that Jesus is Lord. And I know that that circumstance you're going through right now, I know that sickness that you're going through right now, I know that disease or that torment or that fear and that worry that you're going through right now, I know that it's not greater than my God. And the Word of God is true. It's eternal. You don't have to sit back there and say, If it be God's will, if God will do it, I can give you the truth of God's Word and tell you that God will meet every need. God will deliver you. God will set you free. I can speak to you the word of life and, and get you delivered and get you healed. I can boldly do that because I know that it's true. You've got something that's truth, my friends. You've got something that's, that's, the, that's life. It's the word of God. You've got something to give somebody that's in trouble and something that won't fail. Something that's eternal. God's word will never fail. But it takes faith. It takes faith. Well, how much time I got? Praise God, I'll tell you what. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.